and a very, very pleasant good Monday evening to all of you, and welcome to episode 179 of the Today Football Countdown. I think it's 179, now it's at 178, uh, and I know why that is uh, right now, so I'm going to have that fixed. Um, it shows off to a great start. Michael Dell joined by Adam Stewart. It is just the two of us tonight. Uh, Ryan and Trey did a well-deserved night off and away from the pod for all the hard work that they do. So let's bring in the man that they refer to as Farmer in Saskatchewan on YouTube. We say good evening to the one and only Adam Stewart. Good evening, Adam. Good evening, Mike. How are you this evening? Good, good, good. I hate to break it to you, but your picture is freezing again. Uh, so you may want to go out and come back in while I do the rest uh, of so, the uh, introduction, if that's okay with you. Yeah, sounds real good. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to recap the three games that were played this past week in the Canadian Football League, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, and Edmonton all had bye weeks, and everybody else played, so there was three games, so we'll talk about that. We'll take your questions, comments, and all that live throughout the night in our chat, which is now open uh, for everybody to partake in as we bring Adam back in there. So before we go any further, we want to acknowledge that today, the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory. Traditional territory of the Oceanabi Cree, OG Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Metis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Metis Nation. We'd also like to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors for this episode of the podcast. That's damn. While there's many different sports books out there these days, and each one offers you different prices on the same games, how do you ensure that you're getting the best value? BetStamp provides you with the information you need at no additional cost. Simply pull up the game on the BetStamp app to see the odds offered by each of the different sports book affiliates for that particular game. To help you with the best bet that will maximize the return for the pitch you're making. Find some odds you like. Sign up at the corresponding site through the BetStamp bet link page within the app and link your accounts to easily track the wagers you made. And if you want some extra insight before you place your wagers, check out the commission-free BetStamp marketplace where you can see the bets that others have placed and through BetStamp's verified bet tracking app, you just guarantee you get guaranteed odds others have picked sorry, but others have picked based on are verified and legitimate. You can find consensus CFL pits from so you can find consensus CFL pits on there from a username CFC Countdown Pod and Trey's pits as well under Trey CF Countdown. Visit BetStamp.app or download the free app from your local app store and sign up with the referral code CFC 
to start using Betstamp free today. Best of luck on your wagers. And remember, always bet responsibly. All right. That is probably the longest sponsor read I have had to read in the history of broadcasting. But that's the show. <laughs> Thanks to our partner uh, at Betstamp for sponsoring. Should also make mention as well. Uh, the podcast is brought to you, uh, sponsored in part as well by Game Time TV. To find all the information, watch.gametimetv.ca. I promise you there's a party starting there this weekend with a bunch of hockey games. You can find them listed already on the website. Now, this is usually where we talk about the breaking news segments. To me, there was only one big story again. And Adam's kind of nodding his head already because it seems like we talked about big stories and I don't know. It's really, as much as this is a serious matter, it's kind of seemed to be evolving around one team. So I hate to refer it as the weekly circus in Saskatchewan, but it is again and it's involving what I understand to be practice roster quarterback Jake Doladala. Adam. Uh, he apparently was uh, in some trouble recently. Yeah. yeah, no, he was in trouble here during the bye week here. Apparently got a DUI, which is uh, driving under the influence. Uh, again, there is a code of conduct for the Rough Riders. This is not acceptable behavior. We've had this incident happen before in Saskatchewan. Uh, we've had this incident happen in the league. So Jake Dolagala was issued a one-game suspension by the team today. Uh, also was reported up to the CFL headquarters to let them know what's going on here. Look, in Saskatchewan, this is a very serious problem in this province in particular. Driving under the influence, driving drunk, it, it, it's a bad thing. And it should never, ever be done. I don't care who you are, if you're the backup quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who usually is the most beloved guy. I don't think he is right now for sure. Uh, but I'll tell you right now, this is an acceptable behavior by anybody. Please, if you're going to need to drive somewhere and you got to go somewhere, if you've had a few, just just get a ride. There's no reason, especially when you're in the middle of Regina, that you can't get a taxi or you can't get an Uber. I know that one of our uh, fellow CFLPN uh, uh, podcasters is an Uber driver. I'm sure he would love to see him uh, catch a safe ride home. Uh, so this is really looking bad on the team. Once again, Saskatchewan did not need this publicity, especially going into a huge game against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers that we'll be talking about more on Wednesday. But yeah, just not a good sight uh, scene from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders today. They did the right thing, at least give them the one game suspension, make sure that he sits and learns his lesson. This is a practice roster player. So, I mean, how much of that is a real decent suspension? Hard to say. But uh, in the chat, I know, Kat, you just put on there, what does NHL hockey do about AI driving under the influence? I'm really not even sure myself. I think it's a full suspension as well. Uh, each league has their own policy. Uh, but I'm not sure exactly. Hey, if I just interject, this is a team suspension, not a yep. lead suspension. So I think that's where the difference is. Uh, yeah. Nonetheless, very, very unacceptable. For anybody, never mind um, football players, and having experience with that, having lost a family member because of somebody that was under the influence, uh, it's certainly something that 
I take seriously, and I hope a lot of other people do. Yeah, it's it's totally not acceptable. It don't matter when society nowadays you can get a ride. It don't matter. There's always a way of getting home safely and not risking anybody else's uh, safety in that matter. Just don't do it. And again, it don't matter if it's uh, here or if it's the CFL, if it's a CU sports player, or if it's an NHL player, or even if it's a local player or anything to do with sports, just don't drive home drunk. There's no point of that. You're not gaining anything and all you're doing is risking yourself or other people's lives. Just don't do it. Uh, yeah, let's move on on this. I, I know that this is a bigger story and for Saskatchewan, this is a black eye. And it, of course it is because Saskatchewan has been looked at this whole year of having a lot of things that gave them a lot of black eyes. But this is just another one of those things that you just, it's not acceptable. It's not anything that anybody should ever do. And I want to make sure that you guys know that this is not this. The riders did a good thing by suspending them at least one game. To me, it should be more even, to be honest. But hey, he's a guy on the practice roster. He's not getting paid much to begin with. And it's the point that they're trying to make sure that he gets an appropriate suspension for his actions. Again, not acceptable by any teams. Well, and that's interesting because I think just to kind of pull this as a whole and, you know, I, I'm going to be careful how I word this because I'm a Bomber fan and I don't want to come across as, uh, as pitting on the Riders. But you have to wonder how this is going to play out at the end of the year the more this goes on, never mind on the field. But, like, it just seems like there's an off-the-field incident every week involving a certain member of the football team and eventually isn't that mindset or atmosphere or culture set from something above like i understand you can't control what what players do you know on a on a bye week but like common sense has to prevail at some point and it's not just a black eye on the player it's a black eye on the le- on the team um, I'm just wondering, Adam, like, is this going to just pile on as another cardinal, I hate to say cardinal sin, but another issue that upper management is going to have to take into account at the end of the year? You know, you look at this, this isn't the first incident of a DUI in the in the league, right? I mean, last year we seen Kenny Lawler of the B of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have a DUI as well. So does it stand on the team and say that these guys are driving around doing stupid things and are drunk? It doesn't look good no matter what it is. If it's Saskatchewan, if it's Winnipeg, if it's Ottawa, if it's any team in the league that does this, it it's not a good situation. Uh, Saskatchewan, I mean, you're going to be getting the absolute, uh, probably real microscope on this because there's so many other things going on. But to me, the right action was taken by the team immediately that he gets a suspension for one game, which was again, the same amount that the, uh, that Winnipeg gave Kenny Lawler last year as well. It was reported to the league. The league maybe needs to step up a little bit and do something about this to, uh, stretch this out. Maybe if they want to, it's up to the league. I mean, uh, I know they didn't take no other further action after uh, what happened last year, but that being said, I think that this team, uh, it doesn't look good on the team. Let's put it that way. It's, it's as simple as that. And 
not to be tongue in cheek because this is a serious matter, but on a completely different note, there was a big positive, and that's that the Riders didn't lose, but yet they didn't win because they didn't play. So, you know what? It, it's it's I hate to frame it that way. You hate something like that happening, but uh, let's hope that Jake learned uh, from a one-game suspension. Uh, could be a very pivotal piece missing. Uh, should something happen to Mason Fine or Cody Fajardo before or during the practice week or heck, like last time, the day of the game, uh, where they apparently had to drive Mr. Dower from Regina to get him in time for uh, kickoff. That being said, there was action on the field this week, and let's turn our attention to that one. We start with our Week 16 recap. It is the Hamilton Tiger Cat and the uh, Montreal Alouettes. Sorry there, uh, Eric. I think we're on the wrong set of slides there. Uh, episode 179. I, I know when we logged in, there's a whole bunch. Uh, anyway, so just uh, let me know when you found uh, the 179 batch of slides. Uh, that's what we're working off of uh, right now. Uh, anyway, so Montreal with a 30, with a 23-16 victory over Hamilton. And, you know, it's interesting. The story that kind of came out of this one was, you know, how would Hamilton kind of follow up that big one with Winnipeg, a chance to get back into that race for second place? Well, Three hours later, I don't know about you, and we're going to have a chance here for you to, to talk about Hamilton. To me, it was one giant step forward, and now three steps backward again, kind of back to what it was before. Um, I, I don't know. Like To me, this almost solidifies Hamilton's positioning, but it's going to be third place or missing the playoffs. I don't know how you see that, Adam, but that's, this, to me, was the real chance to follow up with, you know, a, a statement when with putting two together and kind of stringing some momentum together. Uh, as I was seeing on Twitter from some of the Ticat fans, it's putting, um, it basically makes last week, the week before the effort, not as important if you follow that up with a clunker like what happened here. Uh, how did you see this from Hamilton's perspective, Adam? Because that's just how I saw it in a, a, a quick assessment. Yeah, you know what? I, I looked at this game and I said, uh, yeah, the Ticats needed this one badly. And unfortunately, it's, again, this tale of two halves for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They just can't execute and finish those drives when they need to. You look at Dane Evans. Yes, he actually did a very good job this week of managing turnovers, which he really is really bad at for the first half of the season. He did good this week. He only had, I think the problem is only 288 yards of passing yards and had no touchdowns at all for Dane Evans. So and did the, Dane Evans do a little better? Yeah, he's kind of kept to the same. He didn't give up any uh, interceptions or turnovers, which is good. But on another side of things, Hamilton really just couldn't get yards going. He couldn't get those drives sustained to in order to get by a team like Montreal. 
On the other side of the ball, Montreal did a good job of keeping Dane Evans in the pocket, making sure that he's not getting out of uh, just containing him essentially is what I'm looking for for the words. Uh, he's he, he just not doing much for him this year, Dane Evans, and couldn't get much going again with that running game. Only about 69, 70 yards for Wes Hillis. Not going to be a good enough, good enough average to win yourself a lot of football games here. That being said, Hamilton did improve a little bit. They did get some more yards than usual on rushing, just not enough and not enough drives to make this work. And I think it's just the, the lack of depth maybe a little bit with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. You look at who's doing most of the work and who they were aiming for lots was Tim White. Tim White had over 100 yards of passing, but he's the only guy there. Uh, Pappy White didn't have a great game from what I can see. Uh, also, uh, you look at him, one reception, eight yards, not going to be acceptable. Uh, uh, Steven Dunbar had a little bit better of a game, but only 55 yards again, no touchdowns, and averaging about 13 yards per carry. Same thing with David Unger, another just a 56-yard performance. Not enough out of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They need some depth out in that uh, uh, in a few places, I guess. Uh, in running back, they seem to be okay, but they just don't seem to run the ball lots. And in, if you're going to go to a lot of passing, you got to do it by committee. You can't just go after one guy and target one guy at all times. It just doesn't work for you uh, for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, yeah, that's my my thoughts on the Tiger Cats there, uh, Mike. What what was your thoughts? Here, here's the question, and I think this becomes relevant. Sorry, the more we go on here, I was just uh, the reason I put my camera down is uh, I was getting comments about my sweater, so I wanted to show everybody. Uh, by by the way, uh, Chris, your comments are showing up in the uh, in the chat now. Maybe they weren't before. Uh, just, just to clarify, uh, Richard, we'll talk about your BC Lions here shortly because I think. There's a bit of an indictment on that team as well um, for that uh, as well. But are we maybe seeing the value of Jay Wynn-Aquin and Brandon Banks to that receiving core? Um, you know, there's the old saying, you don't know what you have until it's gone. Now, I realize this is an offensive line issue perhaps at points a quarterback issue at points but 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 to me receivers that know how to bail their quarterback out when he's in trouble come back for the ball read the right routes is there something to that adam or are we making too much of this no i don't think we are actually uh we really haven't talked about jalen acklin's contributions as much over to the Hamilton Tiger Cats last year, he was a good receiver and always was there to make that dependable catch along with your, okay, as you said. That's exactly my point. Like, dependable receiver, that when you need a big shutting down, it doesn't have to be 10 for 210 every week. If it can be five, but four of those are big shutting downs and 50 yards and a touchdown here and there, that's more serviceable than that 90 yard bomb that you need every now and then. But what I'm looking at, too, is you had a 1,000-yard receiver that is now not on your team. That's a lot of yards that you're missing all of a sudden out of this Hamilton Tiger Cats team. Yes, he was with Jeremiah Mazzoli, but you know what? I'm sure Dane Evans and him had some chemistry as well. If we look at how they got to the Grey Cup last year, 
Uh, same with Brandon Banks. He's not maybe having as good of a year in Toronto, but he was one of those guys that if you needed that catch on second and five or second and six, you had it. Now you don't. And I know that they brought in uh, uh, Durant in here as well, but he hasn't played much. He's had a lot of injuries this year. But... Sorry, Adam, but if you ask me, uh, Durant has been kind of my underwhelming national, if you will. You know, he had that such that great start, right? He came in the lead, but look, and it looked like he was going to be the Nick Dempsey now, right? But injury kind of derailed that. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look on the other side of the football, he hasn't had the injuries. But Jake Wenicke, where have you gone, man? Uh, this week here, it was the same kind of thing. He had two receptions for 52, two plays, 25 yards each, which is okay. But two receptions, that's all you're getting in two targets? He, he's clearly fallen off the map, and I, I, I feel bad for the guy, but he just has had not a great year. Uh, just like, again, like we've said about Lamar Durant over for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Yeah, I think Richard nails this right on the head as we move on to Montreal here. He said, this week, more than any I can remember, it shows just how valuable stability at the quarterback position is. And he goes on to add, Right across the lead. I, you know what? You just took our last 10-minute conversation and nailed it on the head with, uh, with with that one comment. So we'll move on to Montreal because I think this is the serious case. And I think you were kind of hitting on this as well too, uh, Adam. Not pretty. Uh, Trevor Harris, which we'll hear from later on in the show. Spoiler alert when it comes to awards later on in the show. But... He got it done when it mattered the most on the bats of that defense. And, hey, Trevor Harris isn't the guy that really throws for 300 yards and 375 yards and four touchdowns anymore. But he's the guy that if he doesn't turn the ball over, could be very serviceable. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you look at the Montreal Alouettes, how they've been winning some of these games. They should really be called the Montreal Buckleys. It's awful, but it works. Because they continue to win games. <laughs> um, you look at the Montreal Alouettes, uh, Trevor Harris has not been a flashy quarterback by any means this year. He doesn't run out of the pocket. He doesn't move around the pocket even. But yet, there's another win for him. Uh, you look at his number one receiver, Eugene Lewis, now over 1,000 yards. But they go to that one guy all the time, it seems. There isn't a whole lot of else on this team that you look at and you say, wow, this is really impressive. i got to give credit. Walter Fletcher actually had a fairly good game. Uh, but you also look at the sideline, and I see that dancing up and down and celebrating William Stanback that looks like he might be just ready for the playoffs. Uh, Montreal has a bye week. I think they're going to start inserting him and uh, probably having him ready to go for this. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens here for the last stretch of the Montreal Alouettes. They can easily still get first place. They play the uh, Toronto Argonauts twice yet. Uh, you never know what can happen over in the East on those two teams. But um, no, kudos to Montreal. I think even if I take a look, their biggest thing that we used to go off on them was penalties. Uh, still a little bit high, five for 84, but definitely under 100 yards in penalties. Getting a little better there, Montreal. Well, here's the thing, Adam, and I, and I'm curious, right? Because I I know in our in our little CFC pool, I've had that Montreal defense 
all year, but I tend to, in the last number of weeks of light, relied on the Calgary defense for obvious reasons. But Montreal's defense, sneakily, one of the best in the league. And I think we saw that in that win against the Bombers, where that offense couldn't really generate. The defense did enough to allow the offense late in the football game to do just enough to beat the Bombers the first time. Um, are we giving enough credit to the Alouettes defensively? Well, it seems like there are a little thing here lately. We haven't given very many teams very much defensive credit. Uh, I think that'll change here in about uh, probably 10 minutes when we go to the next game. But yeah. uh, the Montreal Alouettes are a very good defensive team. They're solid. They don't let a lot of running yards go through them. Uh, they don't force a lot of turnovers, though which is maybe a little bit more of a concern because, I mean, most teams that you see are usually very high in the plus-minus side of turnovers. Montreal's maybe not in that case, uh, but their defense is solid, and you look at how they've won games, it's usually on the back of the defense because they are a very strong uh, front line of defensive core. Their secondary, it's been picked on a little bit over the year, but their defense and uh, linebacking core, probably one of the better ones in the league and very sneaky, probably, like you said, uh, Mike, definitely a dark horse in the uh, CFL. So probably we assume that that Eastern semifinal is going to be played in Montreal as, this, as, as time goes by. Uh, if they're fortunate enough to get by either the Riders or the Cats, I don't really see you know that going any other way based on the rest of this week, and one would suggest that it's perhaps ship is sailed for Hamilton, but we will talk about that more in the coming weeks, particularly after this week when Hamilton and Saskatchewan play that pivotal game uh, in Hamilton in two weeks' time, not to get too far ahead um, as well. So, and, for ha and for Hamilton, essentially, now it's run the table because it, I really it's, it's it's run the table and hopes hope Saskatchewan keeps stumbling. Yeah, exactly. Because otherwise, I don't see Hamilton making the playoffs right now. Uh, like you just said, it's probably time to uh, blow that up. And, uh, you know, they've had some great runs since probably, what, 2017, 2018. They've had some very good teams in Hamilton. And it's unfortunate, but every team comes to this point where – it's time to just move on and start building up again. So, see, I, I, and that's interesting, Adam. Just, to, I don't want to take too much time with this, but just kind of that as a, uh, as a closing comment. In nineteen and in twenty-one, it was Hamilton teams which got to the Great Cup, lost them both. You would think running it back would be the logical thing to do, like the third time's the charm. Whereas Winnipeg has kind of basically ran back that same nucleus, won two great cups, in position to have another West final for the third straight CFL season in Winnipeg. Does that speak to the fine line of. Because one would suggest that Hamilton and Winnipeg are the most by far veteran laden teams in the lead based on experience and based on playoff games and big game moments. You know, I think to me it just yeah. shows what the Bombers are doing. To be, to be very extra extra special, knowing that what Hamilton is doing this year, kind of taking a step back, maybe a miscalculation. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Time will tell. 
I certainly did not have them missing the playoffs this year. Yeah, and, and if you look at this one here, the I think the Hamilton Tiger Cats might have started two years maybe earlier than the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on this uh, yeah. on this kind of thing. So to me, I think it just it's time now, and you lost a few pieces of receiver like we er, er, alluded to earlier. So yeah, it's but let's face it, every team has never beaten uh, age. Yeah, it comes on every team eventually. Uh, you know, look at Saskatchewan in 2013; they had a great yeah. year. 2014. It was destined to be a great year until a certain injury in Winnipeg. And it happens to every team eventually. Age gets you. And uh, we might even be seeing it in Saskatchewan again with the uh, with the offensive line right now, that age is just uh, getting the offensive line a little bit in Saskatchewan and the rookies haven't had enough time to build up. But it happens to every team. Hamilton, unfortunately, right now is in that mode, I think. And it might be time to start uh, – start doing some uh, moves and uh, unless they try for one big last hurrah and uh, phone Calgary and make a deal on certain somebody that we all want to talk about. Yeah. It's interesting because I think this could be a preemptive warning for Winnipeg not to hang on a year or two liner. This might be the end result. So then, then, then that's a fair, uh, a fair comparison to me uh, as well. Uh, let's move on quickly, Adam to the Nets game. And that is uh, the Toronto Argonauts and the Ottawa Red Blacks. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, this might have been the defensive game of the decade. Uh, I can't remember a team putting up 30 plus. I actually think it was 37 to 40 points off of turnovers. Um, man, just when you think that Ottawa couldn't get any lower with types of performances you know i hate to kind of say this but if ottawa's quarterbacks would have played for hamilton this would have been a 500 yard passing game the way things are going the story of this one though and a spoiler alert to my player of the week as a unit seven turnovers Five interceptions, a fumble, and a turnover on downs, plus two returns for touchdowns, and multiple short fields, particularly late in the game. Talk about a defense. Are we sleeping on this Argo defense? I'm not sure if we're sleeping on the Argos defense or if we're uh, just looking at an Ottawa team that just simply gave up because they were bad. I just want to read a few of those stats like you were just saying. Uh, 55 tackle, uh, 55 tackles for the defense alone, not the special teams, just the defense. Uh, three quarterback sacks, one forced fumble. I don't think in the CFL they count pressures. Both Nick Arbuckle and Caleb Evans were running for their lives in this game. It was amazing how that Toronto defense just stepped up and absolutely dominated this game. I, I started watching, I think, uh, a little bit more in the third and fourth quarter because I was out combining till then. And this game here just got ugly quick. I mean, it was pretty much just a matter of not uh, when or if, but when the Argonauts were going to pick us another one and take it back to the end zone because they, they were just bad. I, I picked up, uh, we'll talk about it later in fantasy, I picked up uh, McCall Bethel Thompson for this game. If you looked at the score, you'd think, Man, I'm a genius. Yeah, no, that was all defensive points. It was it was just insane how good that Toronto Argonauts defense was. And leading the way was a guy of Quentin McManus 
was just a very good player all around for this whole game. Maurice Carnell, five defensive tackles, two interceptions, one for a pick six. Uh, Royce Mechie, same thing, seven defensive tackles. Uh, Trevor Hoyt was the same way, had five defensive tackles. Just a great game for this Toronto Argonauts uh, team. Sean uh, Deshaun Amos came into this game, has had a pretty decent season overall, but again, another interception. Chris Edwards, interception. It, it was amazing how many interceptions there were, and the pick sixes were just incredible. Uh, just great defense by the Toronto Argonauts. I hope this wasn't Ottawa just saying, okay, we've thrown in the towel. Well, this is interesting, right? Because if I could turn this to Ottawa for a second, because I think this is relevant, we'll get to them in a, in a more full breakdown. But I think Toronto gave Ottawa ownership and management a lot to think about. About you know, you did a better evaluation of players, in my opinion, in times of adversity than you do when things are going well. And to me, there are players on Ottawa's team but didn't necessarily put good stuff on tape when things were spiraling like that we'll we'll get to that in a minute but that's kind of my initial thought on this one um i'll be honest i i have a confession to make i disliked mcclaw bethel thompson coming into the year and the previous season i kept saying oh he throws way too many interceptions at the worst possible time to me, he's turned into Matt Nichols. Uh, you know, always that two touchdowns that doesn't turn the ball over, gets the big throw deep when he needs to, but more importantly, manages the game at the important points. And Adam, I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it because I think it needs to be said. And I hate saying it because I'm so full of, you know, pride when I say these things. And then they come back to bite me in the butt, and I have to face the music. I think we're slowly starting to see the maturity of McCloud Bethel Thompson as that top upper echelon quarterback right before our eyes. And, and let's not forget, he's doing this without a running back, really. I mean, A.J. Willett, okay, you know, half a century in rushing, maybe a little bit more. But I, I think there's something to be said about not having Andrew Harris in that lineup, which is making McLeod Bethel Thompson have to do a little bit more, be a little bit more, I guess, methodical in the way, you know, he, he runs that offense. But I think it's time to start putting McLeod Bethel Thompson in that upper echelon of quarterbacks, or am I wrong? I don't know if he's quite there yet, and here's why. He's still throwing that weird, odd interception every so often. This but week, isn't that every quarterback? Well, I think that I tells you the quality of it yeah. But the, right? is that the quality of the quarterback here, or is it the quality of the all the league's quarterbacks right now? I think that the league in general, the quarterbacking has not been terribly great, and now we're starting to see that youth starting to come in. Like, uh, like you said, McLeod Bethel Thompson's a little bit older in this, so he might be more of the veteran one. But you look at Jake Mayer, you look at uh, uh, all the other quarterbacks that are coming in right now, uh, even Vernon Adams over in BC or uh, Nathan Rourke over in BC as well. You're seeing a lot of young, younger quarterbacks, and that's why I'm still a little bit more concerned because McLeod Bethel Thompson is veteran enough 
then he should know better than to throw some of these picks that he's still throwing. I I, I just don't like that one. When you're on the you got to make sure you get points when you're down in the 20 or the 30-yard line. If you're throwing for the end zone, it's got to be either a guaranteed catch or it's got to be a, a play that's going to drop the, that's going to be a fa- passing completion. You don't want to have those chances all the time. And I just don't know about that for McCall Bethel Thompson. His second half performance this year has gone way up. And his uh, uh, passing percentage is 21 for 29 this week, 72%, 245 and three touchdowns. That's all great. He's had short fields on three of those touchdowns. I just, I'm not sold completely on McCall Bethel Thompson yet. Uh, But that being said, you look at what the other side of the football had this week in quarterbacking situation. Yeah, he might be not that bad all of a sudden, McLeod Bethel Thompson, because Nick Garbuckle and Caleb Evans, I'm sorry, but I just don't know where these guys go after this year. What do you think, Mike? Well, here's the thing. I like a lot of what I see from Caleb Evans. That last game kind of thrown out. Because I don't think he has a lot of help around him. Uh, and to be honest, when you're three and whatever, it's very hard to get up for a game contrary to what the standards tell you. The other side of this is I don't know if you can make a fair assessment on what Nick Arbuckle is until he gets off this, this merry-go-around of teams. Um, so I don't know about you, but learning – three or four different playbooks in, a, in just about that amount of time would be extremely uh, would be extremely uh, distracting. And I, I think to get back to Richard's point, I think it was uh, about, you know, needing, uh, you know, a quarterback to be pretty successful in this league. You know, the Bombers for the longest time went through more quarterbacks than I did, you know, Change my pairs of socks and my shoes, you know, back in the Joey Elliott days, just to get an idea of what I'm talking about. I I think there's some credence to you are where you are in the standings with your quarterback situation. You know, if you look at it, Calgary, okay, Jake Mayer. Now, Saskatchewan has underlying issues, so I don't quite pin that on Fajardo. But Edmonton, inconsistent quarterbacking until lately with, with Cornelius. I mean, a large part of why teams are where they are is because of their quarterback production or lack thereof. Or or any combination of a, of a quarterback slash running back. And that's why I'm still concerned a little bit more on McCall Bethel-Thompson because, as Richard said in the chat, uh, Macbeth has not proven that uh, when the going gets tough that he's going to be your man. You look at what the yes, the Argos don't get me wrong, have an eight and five record. They've beaten a few teams in the West, but here's the thing they have not proven anything on this because they're playing in an East division that's fairly weak this year. I don't think that McCall Bethel Thompson is a hundred percent the guy that I would want behind my uh offensive line. He's good, and I and I have him on my fantasy team, so I mean, I hope he does real well because I don't really have much for a secondary quarterback right now. Uh, but that being said, I, I'd be concerned in the playoffs, and let's see what he can do when it really gets to that East final and Saskatchewan just ended up scoring a game-leading touchdown. You got two minutes left in the clock, and you pull a Ricky Ray. Can you march that ball down the field and get your touchdown? I don't know if McCall Bethel Thompson is that guy. 
Maybe he is. We're going to have to find that out soon enough here, I suppose. Uh, but last year, I didn't see it in Toronto, and I'm not sure if uh, I'm not sure about Mikhail Bethel Thompson that much yet. Um, over on the other side of the football, though, um, you look at Ottawa. I just, I like I say, I, I Caleb Evans has had flashes, I suppose. Uh, but again, does he have the team around him? You look at the offense, really, on that Ottawa team. They've been struggling with uh, running backs. Uh, yes, they used Devontae Williams this week. Uh, again, you had brought back William Powell, and I think he was supposed to be the main guy. All of a sudden, he's not playing. Uh, you look at another one there. They brought in uh, uh, guys like Darvin Adams. Darvin Adams has not done much this year. Uh, Jalen Acklin was a good acquisition for them. So it's very hard to say if it's just the Ottawa quarterbacks or if it's the whole team or if there's other pieces involved. But uh, to me, I think that Ottawa is going to be uh, definitely doing a lot of soul searching after this season. The general manager is his first year. I could, they, I think I've had heard a lot of reports already. Paul Apolis, they said they're not making any changes yet. So that means that probably by the offseason, we're going to see something. Well, how, how can you make a fair assessment on a coaching staff if you don't think you have the right core of players around to support this coach? That's the question. And I think, um, I think and I hope that this Ottawa ownership group. They're smart people. They're, they weren't born yesterday, for lack of a better term. These are smart people that I hope see. Um, because I, to be honest, I, I reckon this, and I hate to use the comparison, but I, I reckon this to Winnipeg and where they were, say, five years ago. And everybody was calling for Michael Shane's head because things weren't going well. He was laying the culture for this foundational success. And I think firing La Police, given what he's got around them, I think at least this season would be a mistake. One more offseason for this management core. If it doesn't start well next year, then I think you look at a, at a, at a coaching change. Um, to be honest, just on coaching changes, I don't think Orlando Steinauer is going anywhere. You know, one bad year, I don't think in the, it, it is a horrible reflection on a coach. If that is the scenario, uh, I would be making a phone call down to Hamilton for the services of Mr. Steinhauer um, as well. But really, I don't see that being an issue. Um, you, you know, I, I think that's one of the things, right? Because you know, you look at you look at Winnipeg those shades without a contract uh, probably will get resolved. But I'm just trying to think. To me, at first blush, unless somebody's bluffing, the coaching carousel might be very quiet this offseason. It could be, but there's always a new guy coming in that, yeah. that we've never heard of before. Oh, yeah. you've, got, oh, Jay, yeah. you've, got, you've got a lot of defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators that are probably looking for a job right now. I'll give you an example. Jason Shivers in the defense right now of Saskatchewan. That guy there is going to be a head coach one day. I'm not sure who with. But he's definitely a good option for a head coach. I know Jason Moss has always been there. Uh, Bobby Dice, uh, right on Ottawa's team, is another guy that has been considered, I'm sure, for a head coaching job. My thing is this, uh, Mike. They switched yeah. the GM last year. Sean Burke had enough time to build the team around him that right. he wanted to yeah. see. Yeah, so, so that, might, that might not hold water. 
Well, but the thing is, the thing he didn't change was the coach because he thought that Paul Lapolis could work with this team. Does he stink that now? Maybe he does. I'm not sure because I don't know Sean Burke right. that well. But if it isn't, if he thinks that the quarterback, uh, the coach and the quarterbacks and all can't quite work together, I wouldn't be surprised to see some change in Ottawa, being as this is now the second or I believe year that Lapolis has not produced in Ottawa. You know, Trey, you just made me very happy because I think you're referring to the Stanley Cup. In your comments, you said Toronto's going to win the Cup. If that's the Toronto Maple Leafs, it's just a big thumbs up. But you're I, right. you're I think, absolutely right, Trey. I think I Toronto, but I want to. I, I, I think your Toronto Grey Cup pit might be a little bit of a reach, but you never know, right? We've seen that movie before. And also, Trey, I just wanted to bring it up real quick to the year right, exactly right. The Calder Cup is going to be coming in, and the Toronto Marlies are going to win the the Calder Cup. Or uh, what's the commissioner's trophy called in baseball? Maybe that one might happen. Yeah, yeah, the the, the World Series there. Who knows? They, by the way, the Jays just walked off the Yankees. Uh, spoiler alert for those that are wondering. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., RBI single in the bottom of the 10. After the Jays escaped, the bases loaded jam in the top of the inning with Aaron Judge being walked with two outs to load the bases for Anthony Rizzo and Tim Mesa slamming the door. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. scores that ghost runner with a two-out RBI single. Round one of the Jays, and boy, could that be a playoff series uh, if it gets that far. That being said, now back to the football. I think we've exhausted this game enough. Uh, final reflections, and, and, and I'll leave it with this. Uh, Adam, who does this game reflect more on? Toronto or Ottawa or somewhere in the middle? I think this one here reflects more on Ottawa, to be honest with you. This has been a bad offense all year. Ottawa has not won at home now for well over a year. It's just not been a good year for the Ottawa Red Blacks. And you look at their defense. They hung in there for about two quarters but after the second half started, Ottawa just couldn't keep with the uh, Toronto Argonauts. And the Argonauts took advantage of it, uh, to me, I think, quite a bit. That being said, all kudos to the Argonauts. You still got to put the 45 points on the board, and they did it. They walked into Ottawa. They got themselves a win. They got themselves a playoff spot. All's good right now in Toronto. Now is the hard part where you got to try to clinch first place. Oh, Richard, don't even get me started about the New York Mets. Uh, that should be a whole new franchise discussion on another podcast. But who knows? I might have my own podcast coming out this fall where we'll discuss all things sports. So stay tuned uh, for that information if you so desire. There was one more other game in this one. And this one to me was the game of the week. Although... Based on what happened last week, this one really lost drama. And I think that was as a result of, in my mind, an A-plus performance by the visitors in this one. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the uh, Calgary Stampeders, again, being short, their middle linebacker, Cam Judge, which uh, had to take a one-game suspension in this, absolutely took it to the BC Lions and just held them for any points. BC had to work just hard to get anything going in this game. And if you take a look at the stats, 
the defense absolutely dominated for the uh, Calgary Stampeders. Uh, 47 tackles, five quarterback sacks on a quarterback that's named Vernon Adams. That guy there can move the ball and move the pocket very easily. Kudos to them for keeping him contained and hitting uh, Vernon Adams as much as they possibly could. Richard in the chat, I'm sorry, but uh, this game here just didn't look good for the BC Lions in any way, shape, or form. That Calgary defense, as you said, were jacked up this week. They wanted to go into BC and prove a point that, hey, you beat us twice. We're going to go and stick it to you the third time. And this was a game, if you like defense, this was a pretty fun game to watch. What do you think, Mike? Knew that was going to happen at one point during the show where I forgot to turn my mic on. Um, you know, this, this goes to show, right? Calgary's defense, I think, might be the second best in the league, if not the best behind behind uh, Winnipeg. I would argue that Calgary's defense is better than Winnipeg. If you look at the last six weeks of the trajectory, this might be the best defense in the league. Um, you know, it, it's interesting, right? Because we hype this up, I, I, I think, our... Uh, our friend Trey said this might be a high-scoring game. I think he was projecting uh, last week on on Wednesday, as I recall. Um, but it, but it's interesting, right? Because the CFL has this way, particularly in bat-to-bats, when you think you know what is going to happen and you set great expectations. How rarely those expectations are met, like. To be honest, I'm disappointed in this game. I'm disappointed that, you know, BC didn't put up more of a fight, which I thought they had in them. But I I think this just speaks to how good Calgary is uh, to make adjustments and to hold them to 11 points. Uh, you know, you could argue that one touchdown was in garbage time. So, you know, really less than 10 points shade over 10 for 60 minutes with Burnham and Grimes and Butler and those types of guys. But to me, this was just BC's defense got no help. Uh, Vernon Adams, where we thought we had a idea of what he was, went back to being that inconsistent VA. Uh, Richard says, you know, BC needs to figure it out by the playoffs. Sure, but I would argue you can't exactly flip a switch. You know, if, if you're playing this way going into, into the playoffs, you, you know, and, and the hope that you turn it around in a one in a one off scenario, I like it. I think I think it's set that these two will meet in the West Division semifinal. I think that'll be finalized either this week or next week, but the percentages being high on this being the semifinal matchup, venue still to be determined. I think that might be BC, but you just never know. Um, just that BC had the game in hand and what they do with it. I just don't know what you do if you're if you're BC because Pipkin hasn't exactly shown that he can be the guy. Otherwise, they wouldn't have brought in VA. VA to me seems to be an inconsistent. You know, we start to see these flashes, but he looks like he's going to be the MOP and maybe the best quarterback in the East with Montreal. And then he has one of those games that, you know, that's not really what I signed up for uh, with him. And, and I think that was this with VA. Now, 
you know, you, you, you could say, yeah, they're building for the playoffs, and you hope that that's the case. I just, to me, I'm a little disappointed in VA. Granted, it's, you know, it's set in their third game at quarterback, and there's still a lot of, a lot of, a lot of um, change to be ironed out. But to me, what was interesting, Adam, and, and you can pick up on this too if you wish, I just didn't see a Vernon Adams that was comfortable throwing the deep ball. To me, it all seemed that short and intermediate stuff. And if, if you look at Nathan Ward, you know, how did he get all those yards? It was finding those DBs in scramble mode and literally throwing 50, 60-yard Hail Marys to wide-open receivers. I'm not seeing that right now. Um, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but this just seems to me like two different quarterbacks. Uh, VA more that pocket short passer. You know, Ward being that long bomb kind of drive, it had that gunslinger of an arm. And I think BC's offensive guys are kind of caught in the middle of what they're doing, right? So it's consistency, it's lot thereof, it's it's kind of interesting because you've seen a bit of everything. First five weeks or six weeks of the year, you would have said, yeah, BC didn't run their way to first place. The quarterback injury changes everything. But I think the positive, I know this is turning into a real, you know, monologue, but it's kind of self-repetitive. We've seen, and I think this might be the positive, we've seen Vernon Adams be able to play that, you know, gunslinger, let's throw it out there and let's win a game, kind of game on multiple occasions. And I think that's the one thing I think you can kind of hang your hat on. Uh, I know one thing. I'm not hanging my hat on Nathan Ward coming back for the playoffs. Maybe, maybe, but, you know, that's not just the guy to come back after missing that amount of time. I, I think... You know, your expectations have to be kind, kind of modified. But does my thing make sense that maybe it's a little bit confusing what VA is? Because we see that flash in a pan, you know, dive. It's going to be that, oh, he's ready to be a number one. He's ready to challenge for an MOP type. And then we get that that was very underwhelming. Do we maybe miscalculate everything and give enough credit to maybe what Calgary did defensively? Well, I think we got to give credit to Calgary where credit is due. I mean, they did keep him within the pocket. Vernon Adams does have that tendency of scrambling and trying to move the pocket as well as having, like you said, the big arm, the big gunslinger arm when he does need it. We've seen this in Saskatchewan with Vernon Adams. We've seen this in Montreal with Vernon Adams. And now we've seen it, uh, well, twice in Montreal and now uh, twice in BC. He's got the big arm and he's good with it. Uh, is he the most accurate? No. He usually ends up going and making some odd throws that don't quite work out and end up getting picked off pretty easily. This time here, he thought, well, maybe we'll just try to cut a little bit back off and try to get some uh, more accurate passes. However, he's got the receiving core out there, again, with Keon Hatcher and with Lucky Whitehead. And with all of that receiving core, 
that can really, really add up and really be a good, uh, uh, long, deep threading uh, receiving core. When you get that ball out deep, that means that James Butler can start running the football. And that means that you're taking way less, pre- more pressure off of your offensive line. So that's, I think, what Nathan Rourke's success was back first in the little bit when he was playing at the first bit, because he was able to get that long ball out. And that means that everybody had to back off. And when you have to back off, well, it's hard to rush a quarterback when you're already five or six yards back watching for that deep ball. And that means also that James Butler was able to run the ball. A guy like Keon Hatcher and like uh, Dominic Grimes, they need to get out further. Javon Katoya as well. They're deep threats. And again, if you're going to try to uh, nickel and dime this, it isn't going to work really well for you because I don't think that offensive line is quite as great as everybody kind of throws out there about BC just because I think that they need to be able to hold a little bit back. Otherwise, uh, Vernon Adams eventually will get sacked, and you see that this week uh, with uh, what happened. Another big note in this game here is Brian Burnham, a six-game injured list. He went on there today, uh, broken wrist in this game. Uh, he suffered in a garbage time, as you said, Richard. Just not good for the BC Lions, especially losing a big key part of your receiving core like that. Another guy also that I wanted to mention was over on the Calgary Stampeders side of the football was Derek Dennis. Had to be carted off the field. Yeah. Does have a broken tibula from what everybody said. Fibula, I believe. Um, or at least a cracked one from what I heard from uh, I think Danny Austin was the one that mentioned that over for the Stamps. So he is probably done for the season by the sounds of it, which is terrible news for the Calgary Stampeders. Um, let's hope that Derek Dennis can get better that he can maybe, you never know, maybe make a great cup game if he happens to get that far Calgary. You never know what could happen. Uh, but as you were saying, though, yeah, this is, I think, a little bit of a change-up for quarterbacks uh, because I think Vernon Adams changed his game a little bit. He usually does have that big ball uh, mentality and big ball throw, and I think he's got the receiving core to do it. So I think they should just open the playbook a little bit and let him go uh, Let him go deep. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. and. You know, these bat-to-bats, Adam, are so hard to handicap. Because you think you get a handle on it, and then it's the complete opposite. That's why I love the CFL partially, too. Because um, you expect the unexpected uh, as well. So, you know, that's that's interesting uh, you know, as well. Before we move on, I just have one question, though, for you, Mike. Uh, we've seen now, what, five games out of Jake Mayer uh, for the Calgary Stampeders. I yep. know I've heard of it on the news a little bit, a little bit on the radio broadcasts. It's going to be trade deadline day here pretty soon here for the CFL. I think maybe within the week or next week or sometime then. Does Calgary – now, if this was your opinion, I want to hear what you think because I know I brought it up with the other guys over the last little bit. If you have a guy like Bo Levi Mitchell – who you probably 90% certain is not going to sign back in Calgary. That means you're going to lose. You're going to get Bo Levi Mitchell lost essentially for nothing. Would you try to make a trade with a team right now? Uh, seeing as Jake Mayer looks to be the guy and Tommy Stevens looks to be the backup. Uh, would you make a trade right now for Bo or to try to see if Bo can move on? Or would you just wait till the off season and just let him walk? 
just to clarify the preference of your question, you're saying from a Chowdhury perspective, right? Yeah, like, I mean, no okay. one. I know what uh, Dave Dickinson wants. He'll want both of them because if one goes down, you got the other. That's that's the, the coach always wants as many quarterbacks as he can. The GM, John Huffnagel, probably wants to get something back for Bo Levi Mitchell. So, to me, which way is it here? Is it where the GM is right, or is it the coach that's right? I mean, what's your opinion? Yeah, you know what? It, it's interesting, right? Because I, I think the comparison that we can kind of frame ourselves to is Polaros for a pitch and a, and a as Polaros for a first rounder, and I think an offensive lineman, I think, is the most recent comparison of that uh, for sure. But to me, it, it, I'm going to answer this twofold. And I think it's kind of what you already were alluding to in, in your line answer just before we get to the fantasy stuff uh, as well here. Um, but it's interesting. Well, lot and short of it is this. If I am the management core of Hafnagel, I'd want to get something for him. The question is, does what I'm going to get for him this year, does that help me this year? Because if it's for a pit, I'm not sure that I want to be one hit away from being forced to use Tommy Stevens, who we've only really seen in quarterback sneak uh, opportunities in the odd past year or there. Um, but... You, you know, that being said, if you can get something tangible to help your roster, you know, whether that's a Canadian somewhere, um, maybe picking up a piece that you might miss, um, you know, next year, knowing that you probably know that a certain guy isn't going to be bad and you can, you can plug that hole preemptively. But to me, uh, Richard is just right. Hubner doesn't seem to want to value pits that highly. Um, so, so to me, it, it, would, it would, a lot in short of it is this. It would depend on what roster piece I'm getting back. Does that help me this year? If the answer is no, I'm pretty sure he only has to look at the team he's probably setting himself up for a playoff matchup with and say, hmm, you know, I don't want to be like those guys who are probably going to play in the playoffs. I'll shoot my shot with Bo if I have to based on his track record. And to be honest, I'd be pretty comfortable with Foley Levi Mitchell in at my quarterback, knowing that he's probably pretty upset from being benched. Granted, he understands it. So I might be able to use that to my team's advantage if that comes to it. So I'm, I'm kind of answering the question from both directions. Um, would I trade him? Probably. For a first rounder, no. But if it's, a thing, if it's something that helps me, for my team in the future, certainly. But I think what we've established is in the Canadian Football League, you need two quarterbacks to have success. Uh, I, I think you and I both agree that the Bully by Mitchell era is over in Calgary here by the week. I think that gets more and more apparent uh, because Jake Mayer just seems to be that, that good, uh, that consistent. Um, but, but that's the beauty of it, uh, to, to, to be for sure. Uh, 
Adam, your uh, your picture's okay. I I know you thought you may be froze, but uh, no, you're okay uh, there as well. Um, yeah, no. The only the only reason I'm bringing it up is is because of an injury that happened this weekend. Derek Dennis being out that's a big piece of your offensive line missing. I don't know if there's any piece that he could use right immediately that he could plug into that offensive line spot. Uh, so it's hard to say to make a trade, but that would be my only thing that I could see is if they can get an offensive lineman and a first round pick or something else out of it. You never know. Might happen. I think the president was really set with that Toleros deal a couple of years ago uh, and how that panned out for the team acquiring the quarterback, too. That's not to say that the two are the same, but, but the blueprint's kind of there, I think, for a return value. Uh, yeah, the, the more I think about it, the more I think you talked me out of this uh, out of this trade there. Um, anyway, that, that, that's just besides the point. Uh, Richard touched on something very interesting. He says, why can't anyone sat a, cor- a Calgary quarterback 12 sats all year? How is that possible? I'm assuming he means 12 sats against. Um, quite honestly, Richard, I think that their scheme made they dish the ball out quicker than you can get there. And if you get there, chances are one of their old linemen had a little bit of a situation. Um to me, this offense is built on that one-two look, bang, ball out, one-two look, ball out. Uh, there's always that dive, and I like to say it's that escape hatch. Um, he has that shutdown receiver where all head braids loose. He knows where that shutdown die is for even a five-yard play. You know, that does it pretty well. I don't know how you see that, Adam. Yeah, you know what? To take a look at their head coach and who's the head coach of the uh, Calgary Stampeders is Dave Dickinson funny, was yeah. known for that. Was those real he made fast. a living out of that. What's that? He made a living out of that kind of play. Absolutely. I mean, in BC and Calgary, that's all he ever used to do. One look, okay, it's going there. Like it's it's amazing how fast he was able to get the ball off, and he's trained his quarterbacks exactly the same way. Get the ball off fast. We'll get five, we'll get six, whatever we get. We'll make sure we get at least, usually it's more than five, and it's always a short field. It's always the way it's been in Calgary. They have good offensive linemen as well, uh, so credit to them. But it's mainly just the scheming of Dave Dickinson exactly, like you said, Mike. He makes sure that ball is gone, and it's gone immediately. So I think think it's time we move on to fantasy. What do you think? Yeah, really quickly here. I'll throw it to you for the fantasy segment, Adam, and I'll do the read, and then you can uh, pick up the next part of the segment. Sure. So, uh, yeah, the, if we're ready to go here on fantasy, uh, went and checked here. We've had some results in our CFC local uh, uh, fantasy draft. Uh, Team Ryan had the most points this week. Who'd have thought with the Toronto Argonauts defense? That guy there is a cheat code. I don't know what he is, but he just finds the players and just keeps them all for himself. 113 points for Team Ryan. Team Mike, second place, not bad, 81.1 points. Uh, What went well for your team this week? Well, what worked well was putting Dane Evans in, getting them off the wire. I was surprised that I was the only one to put a bid in on him. Uh, Making some subtle moves uh, quickly to – 
to uh, regain and make sure that I didn't take any zeros. More points. Points at any point is a lot better than a zero, considering half my team was on buy. Uh, might might have to reevaluate some roster decisions. Uh, since one of my guys is going to the sixth game, but uh, all in all, what, what could have been a disastrous week wound up being pretty, uh, pretty exciting. Yeah, no, but then we go on to me and Trey. Uh, well, I guess we'll bring it up. Uh, fifty nine point four points for me, which means I beat Trey this week. Even though Trey is right on my tail at fifty two point five points this week for Trey. The total so far, Ryan is two hundred points ahead of you there, Mike. Still. Actually, 220, roughly, 15.56 and a half. Mike is at 13.59.8. I'm at 1143.7, and Trey is at 1091.8. There will be a lot of uh, uh, changes on my roster this week. I did a lot of switching myself on lots of Rough Riders off of my list. So that'll be interesting to take a look at as we go through the preview later on uh, this week. Uh, over on the CFL uh, uh, Podcast Network uh, Fantasy League uh, in Week 16 results, Ryan beat Rod from the Wood Cookie Sawcast and proves the 12-3. and three. Still six, sits second place in the rankings. Uh, that is because Andrew over from the Turf District took over that first place spot, and he's being mean and not giving it back over to Ryan. Myself, uh, I clinched actually this week. Managed to beat the guys from the X's and Argos. Uh, improved to 9-6. and six, Got up to 5th place over right now, which is actually pretty good. It's better than my expectations. I didn't even expect to make the playoffs this year. Uh, and I clinched, so I'm going to be going into the playoffs along with Ryan. Trey played his last game this week uh, for Week 16. He's got a bye next week. So uh, he went out, though, on a positive note. Uh, beating Tr Steve from the Piffles podcast to prove an 8-8. Eight and eight. He currently holds on to that eighth and final playoff spot. He's hanging on by fingertips. He's not letting go, he told us. And, uh, yeah, he's going into the final week of the regular season. A little bit of a teaser for later on this week. It's a bye week he's on. He's got Brazilian tie from the CFL, uh, 2 and out CFL podcast right on him. Hopefully he can hang on. We're going to have to take a look at that as well. Uh that being said, do you want me to also go run through the uh, bets uh, for this week here, uh, Mike? Yeah, quickly. The bets are brought, uh, betting statement powered by BetSnap. BetSnap is a free app that helps you find the best value for your online sports betting wagers by providing comparisons of odds across a variety of different sports books, including the BetSnap uh, Bet app. Perfect. Uh, recommended best odds, which we use every week for our CFL pits against the spread. Learn more at betstamp.app or sign up with referral code CSD. Now let's take a look at how we did this past week. Absolutely. And again, remember to bet responsibly. Don't bet the farm. Don't bet the uh, the uh, tuition and also don't bet the hockey team, I guess, because I'm with Mike this week. So make sure you don't do any of the above guys. Just go out there, have a little bit of fun with it. Uh, Trey posted the results here. Uh, I can tell you right now, it was like, uh, well, we were all looking at the same as each other because we're all the same bets this week. We all took the Montreal Alouettes and that was a good pick. Of course they beat the Hamilton Tiger Cats, the Toronto Argonauts. All three of us picked them. That was a good pick because the Toronto Argonauts handed it to the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks. 
And uh, yeah, we didn't get the last game right, though. We all took the BC Lions. We thought at home, hey, there's a good chance they're going to win this one. Uh, nothing showed us that they shouldn't, especially even with Cam Judge out. Calgary goes wins this game because you can't ever guess a home-at-home series uh, in the CFL very well. Uh, so we went 2-1 and one this week. Not so bad. Uh, hopefully this next week here, maybe we could even pull off the old 3-0. and You never know. Uh, our 4-0, I should say, because we got four teams, I think, this week, our games this week. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure that there'll be a little bit more disagreeing this week, though, uh, due to two of the teams that's playing later on. Uh, Mike, I think it's time we go on to our picks of the week, I think. Yes, for sure. Uh, um, let's start with our players of the week, and then we'll move the power ranking to that's the order I have. Uh, on the slides right now. Uh, let's see. Uh, Adam, why don't you tell us why, and you've already kind of mentioned this uh, on the show um, already, but uh, maybe reinforce your case about this gentleman that you mentioned earlier on. Well, I think we're all going to be talking a lot of blue and gold, or double blue right away here. Winton McManus, five tackles, had some key pressures over on uh, either whether Caleb Evans or Nick Arbuckle, uh, one interception. Those guys have 28 fantasy points as a unit. I had them picked earlier this weekend, my fantasy. And then Ryan told me, oh, no, you should take so much Argonaut. So, you know what, I switched it over to the Calgary Stampeders. So I'm blaming Ryan uh, for me not picking the Argonauts in my defensive fantasy. But nevertheless, with McManus, definitely a player of the week. Mike? Yeah, uh, that's that sounds good. I almost thought you cut out there for a minute. That's why I didn't move. But uh, no, you did. Uh, I took the Toronto defense as a whole. Seven forced turnovers. 35-plus points scored off of turnovers. Two uh, interceptions returned for touchdowns uh, as part of that, as well as, part, as I mentioned earlier, 28 fantasy points together as a unit. Uh, Ryan? Submitted his player of the week for us. He went with Maurice Cornell. Five tackles, two interceptions, and one interception. But went for a pitch six. Adam, our friend Trey, left us a player of the week as well. And uh, his player of the week, pretty interesting pit. But, you know, you can't go wrong with his pitch either. No, absolutely not. Trevor Harris had a very good game for the Montreal Alouettes. And let's put it this way. It maybe wasn't the yards, 244 yards, 26 for 35. Yeah, two clutch win. He won the game, gave his team another chance to go after the Toronto Argonauts and possibly take that first place out of them. So key victory for Trevor Harris. Definitely a good player of the week. Yeah, for sure. Quickly here, trappings up by giving us giving everyone our power ranking. I'm just making sure this is the right slide. Yeah. Uh, yes. No, it is not. Oh? My yeah, because I'm way high on the, I'm way out of the Rough Riders. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I know this is this is wrong. Well, I'll tell right. you what. I'll run, I'll run through them on what yeah, I got here. This should be the right one here coming up. Oh, there we go. Yeah, this is yeah, the right one. Good. My bad. I went to runway. Didn't watch us live by accident. Uh, this is this will be the right one. I'll start with mine here. Winnipeg, BC, Calgary, Toronto, Montreal, Saskatchewan, Hamilton, Toronto, Ottawa, and Edmonton. I think it's self-explanatory. Kind of did the whole season uh, as an 
update uh, for me as well. Uh, Trey, let's go over your power rankings and then uh, we'll split the difference with the rest of the, the, the crew. Uh, you want to run through trays, or do you want me to run through, or your? Uh, you, you can do you can, you can do yours first. Oh, okay, yep, yeah, no problem. So yeah. I've got Winnipeg, Calgary, BC, Toronto, Montreal, Hamilton, Edmonton, Saskatchewan, Ottawa. Uh, Saskatchewan went up one because Ottawa gave a, gave a gosh awful performance uh, this week. Uh, I didn't really even want to move Saskatchewan just because of, uh, like you said before, the circus is still in town. Uh, apparently in Saskatchewan. Uh, but biggest mover, though, I think this week was the Toronto Argonauts, and I think it was on everybody's chart just because of that defensive performance. Looked really strong against all the teams out there and really just looked, again, dominant throughout the game. Uh, another one also, I guess, a little bit of a shout-out to uh, uh, BC and Calgary. That there has been going back and forth, back and forth, and I think it's going to go back and forth until we have the West semifinal. Then maybe we'll decide who gets second and who gets third in that one uh, when we go on from here. Um, I'll tell you what. I'll read um, uh, Trey's here real quick, and then you can grab Ryan's. Yeah. Uh, Trey's was uh, Winnipeg. He put Toronto real high this week, I'm sure, it's because of that beat defensive performance again. Uh, BC, Calgary, then Montreal, then the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Put number seven, he put the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Edmonton, Ottawa. And I'm sure that's mainly because Edmonton, Ottawa, well, it's already been next year territory for a little while, and they probably deserve eight and nine for that. So uh, what did Ryan have this week, Mike? Yeah, Ryan's got uh, Winnipeg, Toronto, BC, Calgary, Montreal, Saskatchewan, Hamilton, Ottawa, Edmonton. Okay, I know you kind of addressed the reason why, uh, perhaps just as a speculative guess. It's funny, but the two guys that put Toronto at second in their power rankings aren't here to back up their case. Uh, so that might be uh, a good opportunity to push them on it. And that's time uh, both appear on the show. Both are kicking a well-deserved uh, night off uh, as well. So thank you for their contribution uh, to our podcast, uh, as always. And thank you very much for supporting the podcast. Uh, all your uh, listeners as well. But just one thing I kind of wanted to touch on here, just on the way out today, I know we said an hour, but this has turned into an hour and 20, which isn't bad because we're right on schedule uh, and we like to chat. Um, what do you think? And again, it's, it's interesting because I was looking at, you know, the different power rankings and I have the deck that shows week one all the way toward week 15. So I took, I, I, I took, uh, I took a look, if you will, um, at the week one versus the week 15, just to kind of see the fluctuation. My identity ebbs and flows about everybody. The one consistency for the last number of weeks seems to be Winnipeg at one. But after that, you know, that top four now, all of a sudden, Toronto's entered that top four for at least two of us. I have a question for you, Mr. Stewart. I'm very disappointed in you. And we might have to talk about your future on the podcast because of it. No, just kidding. But here is my validation and concern. When you sent your power rankings, you didn't put any extra teams in there. I was greatly, greatly disappointed. Because that is an interesting, interesting part of my week is trying to dissect which different team 
you put on your power rankings every week that don't make the slides, but they make the submission list nonetheless. So, chop, chop there, bud. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you one just because I was listening to this game over in the Combine, and it was a good game. Uh, so I'm surprised you haven't put Team Combine as an option. No, no, we can't have Team Combine. That's just, that's just not right. They don't play much football. Uh, but we can put down the University of Regina Rams this week. Uh, they are 3-1. and one. They weren't expected to be much of a team. They're kind of running yeah, a little bit of half sure. rebuild. And, you know, give credit to where credit's due. They're running in with a younger quarterback. They've got an injury to their uh, running back over there in uh, Regina. And they walk in and beat up on the UBC Thunderbirds, which is not a very easy job if you know about the UBC Thunderbirds. So kudos to the Regina Rams. Uh, They're on the makings of something pretty interesting over there. And, uh, yeah, same thing also with the U of S Huskies. 4-0, 4-0, they ended up beating up uh, the, I think it was the Manitoba Bisons this week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but uh, no, good on those two. T- oh, no, sorry, the uh, Alberta Golden Bears was this week. So, yeah, no, uh, good on those teams. Uh, make sure that, hey, if you're out in one of these uh, play- places with some good youth sports football or even with some CJFL football, make sure you go and check it out. It's great football. It's fun. Uh there's lots of turnovers usually in it, which is great if you love turnovers. Uh, it's just fun. To, it's just a fun time. It's a different atmosphere. Make sure you check it out. I know that a lot of people, uh, I know they really uh, were talking highly about the uh, U of S, uh, U of R game there. It had over 8,000 people at it from the, when they played in Mosaic Stadium a week before. So, hey, if you get a chance, make sure you check out some U Sports and definitely check out some CJFL as well. Uh Kudos to the Regina Thunder. They're 4-0 going into this week. And, uh, yeah, the uh, Saskatoon Hilltops as well, 3-1, beating the Calgary Colts earlier this week. So, yeah, be sure to check it out and uh, go from there. Yeah, I was very happy with the Winnipeg Rifles. Uh, They've lost two games to the Regina Thunder, but the combined loss margin for both both teams, eight points, including a hard left loss. On home field, the rivals quickly mounting to one of the top teams in the CJFO in Canada. Uh, I think teams- they're they're competing right now, right with the Saskatoon Hilltops, and we all know what the Hilltops are. They're usually the team that right. wins everything. So kudos to the Rifles; they've done a very good job this year of bringing in some more players and are making a good run right now. Yeah. Head coach Jordy Wilson has one of the best rifle teams in about twenty years. If you look back at the historical contest. Uh, in fact, they actually led the Regina Thunder 15-0 at one point in the game. Just couldn't put a drive together with the ice in. Uh, but still keeping it close. I think if if you didn't lose to one of the top dogs in Canada, never mind your conference, by a combined eight points and beat the Hilltops in the same year, you, you, you can't have it all. Uh, it took Jordy Wilson about 15 years or so to beat the Hilltops. Never mind... Uh, trying to charge through the top of the PFC. So little bits at a time. Uh, the Bisons with the big win over the Calgary Dinos on home field this week. Uh, the Dinos still searching for their first one of the season, which if you follow youth sport football, especially Canada West, hard luck to find them a loss, never mind difficulty getting a win. Uh, quite, quite interesting times. Uh, Regina, Saskatoon as well, also having good teams. 
I think the Bidens are off to Saskatoon this weekend while the uh, uh, while yeah. the uh, sorry the Regina Rams are back at home. Um, yeah. Uh, the other thing also to mention in this is. Uh, you know, I'll just give you the quick top 10 in the power rankings there for you sports if you'd like them. Uh, the Western Mustangs have not been beaten since they won the Vanier Cup. Uh, they're 3-0 and going into this season. Uh, they are just on fire again. The Montreal Carabans, 3-0. and uh, Queens is 3-1. and Laval, 2-1. and Regina. They are actually ranked now. They're number six in the league, are in the nation, which is pretty cool. Uh, they're 2-1. and St. FX is uh, uh, number seven. Ottawa. Uh, good on them, three and one. Uh, Alberta is actually two and one and ranked at number nine right now. And Mount Allison as well, uh, number 10 this Mount week. Mount Allison Mountain, what a name, what a name. Exactly. Eh? But uh, no, that's that's great for we to touch on other football. Uh, high school football going swimmingly across uh, Saskatchewan and Manitoba as well. Any other closing thoughts quickly here, Adam? Not a whole lot for me. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, just fun to watch all the football going on right now. Like you just uh, uh, said, I know that even uh, the local high school team here in uh, my area is 3-0, and I think, or maybe even 4-0 and now. They, they've been having a pretty good success over in Yorkton. So good on that uh, crew as well. But uh, no, I, I'm looking forward to seeing some more games this week. Uh, let's hope that maybe I know that you're probably not going to like it, but Somehow my riders need to win this week on Friday night football. I don't know how, but they've got to because they're uh, they're needing to win, I think, a little more than Winnipeg. So we'll see what happens here. Uh, if you're looking for me, you can follow me at AdamSteward1. Uh, I'm over on Twitter. I'm over on YouTube. I'm over on Facebook. Just look for me. You'll find me somewhere. Uh, mostly talking about farm stuff and all that good stuff. And also make sure you check out Trey. He's over at Trey MB Harness. Uh, he is also uh, talking, uh, well, pretty much whatever you want to talk. Just make sure you go and visit him as well. And uh, be sure to tune in on Wednesday night, uh, preview show for week 17. That'll be me and Trey. We won't try to burn the old podcast house down, even though last week we made a pretty good attempt of it. Uh, luckily, Mike didn't give me too much grief over all the mess in the house, but, uh, you know, uh, we'll be trying to have, well, don't tell Mike, but we might be having another party this week over on Wednesday night, 9 o'clock, uh, Winnipeg time, 8 o'clock over here in Saskatchewan. Be sure to tie, adjust your time zones accordingly. Mike, where can everybody find you? Yeah, people can find me on Twitter at Mike Darrell. They were the brains behind uh, Game Time TV, which you can find uh, watch.gametimetv.ca or better yet, or out of convenience as of today, just GameTimeTV.ca. The party begins on Saturday. I hate to spoil the news, but a certain member of this podcast is scheduled to join me on some broadcast this weekend. So, hmm, stay tuned for that as well. Just thought I'd throw that little uh, bit of a bone in there. Uh, for those that are wanting to tune in. Uh, you can catch this show on YouTube by searching the Today Football Countdown on Facebook, facebook.com, backslash CF Countdown Pod, on Twitter at CFC Countdown Pod, twitch.tv slash 
CF Countdown Pod, and of course, on the Game Time TV YouTube channel. Also, you can find Ryan on Twitter at CooperTrooper42, and he will be back on the show soon. Want to follow the shows on social media? You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at CF Countdown Pod. Make sure you check out CF Podcast Network on Twitter for this and all the other great shows around the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Whatever podcast platform you're listening on, thank you very much. Uh, we'd appreciate if you did all the little things such as like, share, subscribe. Uh, tell your friends about the podcast. Podcast continues to grow, uh, which makes me and Ryan and everybody else very, very happy. Also, uh, extremely excited with the additions of Adam and Trade this season, uh, who have brought in a lot uh, to this show. So we didn't crash the car for this portion of the show, so we look forward to seeing everybody on Wednesday night. For Adam Stewart, I'm Michael Dale, and as well, for Ryan Coop and Trey Tolbert, who are unavailable for tonight's show, thank you very much for watching, and we'll see everybody here. Might there be a bet as well on the line on Wednesday night? You best be tuned in to find out, because you won't want to miss it, or you won't want to find out about it to somebody else. You might just want to come back here and see it for yourself. So you can tell friends about it as well. By the way, just wanted to make the clarification about that comment that I made about Adam and the extra teams. I was a hundred percent kidding, Adam. You know, you know, but I was a hundred percent kidding on that one. Uh, you're you're on this podcast as long as you want to be my friend. It was just funny, funny trying to be a bit of a joke. And I like uh, I like making jokes, uh, but next week uh, make sure to add those extra teams. And I just thought I'd clarify that because uh, there might have been some concerned faces uh, for sure. Adam's going nowhere. Trey's going nowhere. We're all going nowhere. Uh, we just like yanking, <laughs> yanking each other's chains every now and then. For Adam Stewart, I'm Michael Justin. Thank you very much for watching. Enjoy the football. We'll see you in two days to set up week number 17. Have a great night, everybody, and we'll chat on Wednesday. Good night.